0: You're listening to episode 143 of the Room to Grow podcast. stories that will change the way you look at the world and yourself so that we can learn from each other and grow with lots of self-love and compassion every step of the way. There's always more room to grow. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the room to grow podcast. And I'm so excited today to be able to bring you the amazing Jess Xrem. It's so funny jess actually reached out to me on instagram after listening to one of my podcast episodes and we just started as what she refers to on the podcast as a bit of a modern day romance in the instagram dms and she is just an incredible human she's the founder and ceo of headbands of hope which is a company that she started as a junior in college in 2012 and for every headband sold a headband is given to a child with cancer Her first brush with success was selling all of her toys on eBay when she was 12. And since then, Jess and her company have been featured on Today and Good Morning America, in Seventeen, Vanity Fair, Forbes, People, all these amazing places that have really been showcasing her incredible work. Most importantly, they've donated hundreds of thousands of headbands, reaching every single children's hospital in the United States and in 15 countries. Jess is also a professional speaker and founder of the Mic Drop Workshop, an online course with the mission of empowering more women to share their message as a speaker. And Jess and her husband travel the country in their airstream with their dog, which I absolutely love. One of the quotes that I love from Jess that I think really sums up part of her mission as an entrepreneur is at its core, entrepreneurship is just the action to create what you wish existed. And that's exactly what Jess has done. She saw a problem and she created a solution for it that has bloomed into this beautiful mission that is touching thousands of lives all over the world and giving kids confidence when they're having a really hard time. Jess and I have so many, we touch on so many different things in this particular episode. We talk about everything from treating optimism like a muscle to be trained the realization that tough times give us a choice and how to make the most of those moments. How Jess pushed through massive failures that other people might have taken as a sign to stop and instead continued to find new and creative ways of making things work. Questioning what would happen if it worked out rather than always focusing on and worrying about the negative side of things. And how women deserve to get paid and paid well for the work that they do. Listen, Jess, to me, is, is not your average success story as much as she is also very much the average success story. The difference is that she's talking about the things that went wrong and all of us have things that go wrong on our journey but not all of us talk about them and she gives us some insight around how how optimism doesn't always mean positivity but it does mean being able to find and create the optimism when things get really hard. Something else that I really want to highlight here that is super important, Jess is coming out with a book. And guys, I have gotten a sneak peek, a little bit of an early preview, and let me tell you, I am very excited for you to get your hands on a copy as well. It's called Chasing the Bright Side. It is dropping on November 5th and pre-order happens to also be available. And the best way to support an author is to pre-order. It is so, so important. And if you go ahead and pre-order, you'll also get access to extra stuff, including one of Jess's amazing headbands made to match the gorgeous colors on the front of the book. But pre-order won't be available for much longer because the book is coming out November 5th and there's only a couple weeks left uh, at the time of this episode coming out. So all the information is in the show notes to be able to access everything. You can jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com to be able to connect with Jess, to follow her amazing mission, and to grab a copy of the book. I've just been loving it so much and it also took a long time for me to get this book. Uh, I was so determined to get a copy of it. It has been To Canada to Chicago to Hawaii and now here to me in Bali and it's just absolutely been worth the wait so let's get started with Jess hey there welcome back to the room to grow podcast and I I love how our entire story of how we connected like Jess I'm so excited to have you on today and we are going to talk about so many things we're going to try and pack in as much as we can Into the time we've got. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah,
1: thanks. It was really a modern romance. I slid into your DMs. And if that's not, you know, 2019, 2020, I don't know what is.
0: I really don't. And it was so magical. We had like one of those stars aligning type of moments.
1: It really, it really was. And I'm just so glad that we are now virtual besties.
0: I love it. Oh my gosh. So tell us a little bit about you because. I feel like I say this about all of my guests, but really, you, you really do have an incredible story and you are popping up everywhere. You have been for some time now, and I just really enjoy watching your journey. So let us know a little bit about where you got to, where you are today and the process to, to get there. Cause it's, it's been a road.
1: <laughs> yeah, it has. And thank you. I, um, so really my story starts when I was a freshman in college, I interned in Disney World. And if you've ever been to Disney World and there was those obnoxiously happy photographers that wanna take your picture all the time, that was me. And so I um, spent a semester as a photographer in Disney World, I loved it. But one of my favorite things that I got to do was I got to photograph kids that were there on their wish through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I just fell in love with this foundation and that I could just be a small part of their wish. And I got back to school my sophomore year and I applied for an internship at make wish And, you know, when I was there, I wasn't really doing like the most glamorous things. I wasn't organizing these huge galas or like calling Taylor Swift or, you know, things that you think maybe you might be doing. I was doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work, you know, licking envelopes and organizing supply closets and things that might have seemed really tedious, but it was the first time in my life where it didn't really matter what I was doing because I just felt so clearly connected to why I was doing it. Like every single thing I did, no matter how small or how boring it might be, I could connect a straight line to helping make a wish come true. And so I started to have this like, you know, 19 year old revelation of, you know, questioning life of like, maybe our lives and these careers that we choose for ourselves doesn't have to be something where we clock in and clock out and get a paycheck every few weeks. It can be something like every day when our alarm goes off, we know that it matters that we're there. And it was towards the end of this internship, and there was this little girl, and um, her name was Renee, and she was like my first responsibility. Like I got to be the coordinator for her wish, and she wanted to go to Disney World to meet Sleeping Beauty. She was very clear about her terms. Sleeping Beauty was like redlined in the contract, mm-hmm. and um, so I got to like work with the parks and make sure that Sleeping Beauty was going to be there. I got to, um, organize this, like going away party for her. And, um, unfortunately about a week before her wish, her cancer took a turn and, um, she was too sick to go. And I just remember like being in the office that day and hearing my boss on the phone and watching all this unfold and just thinking like. You know, this can't be the story. Like, this can't be what happens. And in this knee jerk reaction, I just went onto Google and I looked up local costume shops and I arrived on her doorstep a few hours later, dressed as Sleeping Beauty, and tried to make her wish come true that day. And it was like the clearest, just before and after moment of my life. And one of the things that I, Noticed in that visit that really stuck with me was that kids like Renee, who would lose their hair to chemotherapy, loved to wear headbands after hair loss, but typically they were offered wigs and hats. And so I really wanted to use this moment with, with Renee, these, this tough time, as fuel behind something bigger because I believe that tough times actually give us a choice. They can be the excuse as to why we do less or they can be the reason as to why we do more. And I wanted Renee to be the reason. And so I uh, started Headbands of Hope April 25th, 2012. And for every headband sold, we donate a headband to a child with cancer.
0: It, it's just an incredible story. And I, I've heard, I, rarely have I heard stories like that, especially from, from someone who was starting so young that has had such a massive impact because you have now at this point donated hundreds of thousands of headbands which is just incredible you are putting smiles on kids faces who for us adults looking at them we'd be like you know they they might not have a lot to smile about because they're in a really serious situation and mm-hmm. i just absolutely adore what you are doing and, and what you've continued to do for all of these kids and their families too. It's really important. I, I heard you talk um, in a Ted talk about how one of the the little girl's families that you donated a headband to, they then, when she passed away, they then called you and asked for more headbands that would match that one to all wear to her funeral service. And yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, rarely does a story like that like just like tug on your heartstrings like that that brought Mm -hmm. tears to my eyes it was just beautiful to see what kind of impact you can create with something as simple as headbands like who would ever think of that especially college freshmen
1: yeah and I almost like I'm glad that you said that you know the simplicity of it because it's like it's this one small thing that can make one big impact and I think sometimes we feel like giving it has to be this like Ellen show style of giving where it's like, I just, you know, funded a rainforest or like, here's, you know, money for someone's college education. And like, and so when we feel like we can't give that, then we feel like we can't give it all, but really like giving comes in so many forms. And sometimes the best thing we can do is something small. Um, so I also hope that like headbands of hope shows that small small things can make a big difference. And so like, what can that be
0: for you? And that's a really important message in this day and age, I think as well, because there's a lot of problems in the world that are huge, they're enormous, they're global, we can barely even wrap our heads around them and then we kind of just give up because Mm -hmm. it feels like how could I, like this one person have any sort of effect on something so massive? And yeah. you are just demonstrating in such a beautiful way that, you know, you don't have to solve the entire problem. You can just pull one little thing out of it and to have a big impact with that one thing.
1: Yeah. I, I actually feel like I have a, maybe an unpopular belief when it comes to creating change and like going for it. I mean, so much of what we hear is like, hustle till you don't have to introduce yourself or like, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And it's on like the poster of like a lion or someone like climbing Everest or something (laughs) like that. But I feel like I subscribe to like quite the opposite. I'm like, what are the small things that we can do that add up, you know? And sometimes when we shoot so big, and we don't make it then we think that like the whole thing is like not working because we aimed high. So instead if we just focused on like what feels light to us, what's within our control, what is something that I can cross off my list today? Like the small things eventually give us the confidence to then go do those bigger things. And the small things add up. So instead of just like shooting for the moon, which it's okay if you have that long-term vision, but like give yourself permission to do the small things right now. Cause they make a difference.
0: They really do. And especially, I mean, I don't know many college freshmen that are uh, starting this kind of project. And I, I think that a lot of times we tend to sort of write off the younger generation. And I am part of that younger generation too, that, mm-hmm. um, but we, we see it even more with like the younger people coming up behind me and we, aren't giving enough credit, I don't think, to the power that one individual can have regardless of age. And you've certainly proven that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And
1: I think sometimes um, being young and really just at any age, it's like the benefit I had was not a lot of experience. And I know that sounds like contradictory, but I didn't have um, all of this knowledge about businesses that fail. I didn't have, I didn't know how much work it was going to be. So therefore I didn't talk myself out of it. And so sometimes we have this like paralysis by analysis where we think so much that we end up talking ourselves out of it in the first place. So instead I just took things day by day with what I had. I mean, I even paid someone to build my website with Chipotle burritos because like, (laughs) we would meet for lunch every day. And I'm like, here's your burrito. And she's like, here's your landing page. And that was like how I, I got my first website. And so just like, let's stop telling ourselves to hustle and, you know, just like go at full speed all the time. And instead just focus on what's in our control and just be kind to ourselves.
0: First of all, the Chipotle deal sounds like the best deal ever. I would totally work for that.
1: (laughs) I mean, it was a pretty sweet deal for her.
0: Like she got Chipotle every day for like two weeks. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, and and I think that it's also really important to that, um, not, not waiting for somebody else to come along and create the change that you want to see in the world and and you've talked about this in your, your new book that we're going to get into more, Chasing the Bright Side, that I've had the pleasure of getting an advanced copy. And one of the actual hard copy is still making its way to me in Bali, <laughs> taking some time to get to me. Slowly but surely. <laughs> but you I have, have
1: a been. tracking device on it going across the ocean. Yeah. I
0: know, a little GPS tracker. And, and it, is, it is slowly getting to me. But I have had a chance to, to take a a little bit of a look at, uh, at an electronic advanced copy as well. And you, you talk about this, that, you know, not waiting for somebody else to create the change that, that we want to see. And I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear more from you about that in terms of how do we take that first step? Because it can be really overwhelming and we can think to ourselves, like what you said, you know, talking ourselves out of it. So how do we not talk ourselves out of it? In other words.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, let's let's play a little game for a second. Let's think about anything that we use every day, any great invention, um, organization, movement, whether that's our phone or whether that's our car or whether it's um, something as powerful as like the Me Too movement or something like that. Every single one of those things was powered by someone who believed in better and who was courageous enough to be the one to do it. But rarely is it because that person had all this expertise and like all of this knowledge and all of this research and just was born knowing how to do their taxes or like poach an egg or whatever it is. We all had to start somewhere and that somewhere is just a belief in better. And so if we can just start by like looking at the world, absorbing our surroundings with the mindset that we can fix it, then that's the first step is believing that it could be us and just beginning where we are. Like when you really peel back the layers to anyone's success, it starts with that belief in better and then belief in themselves to do it. Jeff Bezos, you know, founder of Amazon, founded Amazon out of his garage and It took so much power that anytime he would use the microwave, it would blow a fuse and shut down his whole company. Like, you know, Sarah Blakely cut off the feet of pantyhose and was wearing them underneath her dress and pulling it up at department stores to try to show her prototype. And she started getting kicked out of department stores. And that's how she started Spanx. It's like, so we, we see people for where they're at now, but not where they began. And I think if we can really see where people began, it's with this belief in better. And that can mean so many different things for so many different people, but it also means that success looks different for everyone. And sometimes that means it's like out of your, you know, basement floor, packing boxes or, you know, doodling on a notepad in a coffee shop. Um, But I think in order for us to like do that, we have to believe that it could be us. And I think that that starts with just the realization that like every expert was once a beginner everyone that we know that is so good at something once had no idea what they were doing. So that's a really like freeing thought that it could be anyone. So why not me?
0: Mm, That's such a beautiful reminder. And the other thing is too, is that entrepreneurship is becoming more popular because I I think largely because a lot of people just want uh, like the freedom that comes with entrepreneurship, which can be amazing. course, there can also be a a lot less freedom than what we think there is because we're Mm -hmm. kind of tied to it. But it is such a really—it's to look at entrepreneurship. We have to look at the different layers, and a lot of times it comes from people who are doing exactly what what you're talking about. Basically, you know, seeing a problem and creating a solution for it, and it also Mm -hmm. tends to come from finding that deeper purpose that is going to keep you going. When the times get tough, because when you first launched Headbands of Hope, it was not an overnight success. Let's put it that way. An overnight success (laughs) is bullshit anyway. I always talk about this. Like, that's not a real thing. You're not seeing all the work that happened behind the scenes. And then all of a sudden, somebody will explode onto the scene. You're like, wow, she's Mm -hmm. an overnight success. She came out of nowhere. That's not how it
1: works. (laughs) I know. I want to shake people that like put on that facade of like, one day I had this idea and the next day I just can't keep my product in stock. It's just flying (laughs) off the shelves. And you're like, really? That's how (laughs) it happened? Come on. Uh, But yeah, it was definitely you hit the nail on the head. I think like my first order was from my mom and (laughs) my second order was like from my grandpa after he like called me to figure out how to work the website. So it was definitely not fire right out of the gate, but even before that, I had a little, a um, little bit of a hiccup. Let's say that where I was trying to find a manufacturer for the headbands, and um, I found this database of like these U.S. manufacturers, and was going down the list and just like hoping that someone would really just take a chance on me. I'm like, you know, I know that I' coming at them from like a dot edu email address and you know with this like comic sans font and a 12 line email signature about being like president of the ping pong club or whatever i was involved in (laughs) but i hope that someone just like sees the potential in this idea and is like willing to take a bet and just go for it and it was about two months of radio silence no one was getting back to me none of these factories and Finally, this factory in Kansas emailed me back and they wanted to get on a call. I was so excited. I got on the call, told them about my idea. They loved it. They shipped me samples. We started going over the samples and for about two more months, it was like different sampling product. So then finally they sent me a headband that I was good to go with. And I was like, all right, you know, let's do it. Let's make this headband. And so they sent me over the invoice And it was for (gasps) $10,000. I was like, you know, I probably should have asked this before, but I'll tell you, Emily, like it was, it wasn't that I didn't know that I was going to have to pay for them. I think like my mindset of the hierarchy of the situation was so messed up thinking like, oh, they're just doing me a favor. And oh, like they have so many other customers, they don't have to be talking to me. And I should just be grateful that they're even, you know, giving me a chance. And my like whole thought process around the situation was so out of whack. And sometimes as women, we can do that to ourselves where we feel like we don't have a seat at the table when we really do. And we have just as much of a right to like vet them just as much as they're vetting us. But I didn't, I didn't see that at the time. And I just thought, well, one, I'm in a pickle because this is $9,500 more than what I have in my bank account right now, being a broke college kid on ramen noodle diets, still using my sister's Netflix password, still use her <laughs> Netflix password, by the way. But, um, but I was talking to my dad because he's also an entrepreneur as well. And seeing like what my options were, I'm like, okay, you know, Could I get a loan from the bank and pay interest on this? Could I uh, maybe get an investor and give away some equity? Uh, What should I do? And he was like, look, I've seen your business plan. I've, you know, seen the, I think you're really onto something big. And one of the mistakes I made was I gave away too much equity too early. And I don't want you to have to do the same thing. So I will front you the loan for $10,000 and you can pay me back as the business makes money. And that was huge. And I recognize like the immense privilege that came from like, not just financially, but just emotionally to have the support of my family. And I was just so happy that he believed in this idea that he believed in me and I ran to the bank it was a Friday afternoon I walked into Wells Fargo I wired this factory ten thousand dollar loan from my dad and I never heard from them again
0: no are you serious oh no (laughs) oh my gosh I like I
1: laugh because it's painful and sometimes I just like can't believe that happened even though it's been like 8 years or something now. Oh, but it was like this moment that I was so um I I thought I failed, therefore I'm a failure. You know, like we can sometimes just like draw a straight line from our wounds to our worth. Like and that's how I was feeling, but then it wasn't until like I went to bed, and do you ever like when you close your eyes to go to sleep and you just start like going over all the stupid things you've ever done? Always, <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> oh my god, I'm like, you know, why did I put my away message as that in like 1997? But um, I just started like closing my eyes and thinking about it, and I was like, you know, this really isn't about the embarrassment. A failure. I feel like I could, I could stomach being embarrassed. I couldn't sit with like the fact that this business headbands of hope was sparked from a problem, this problem of kids wanting headbands when they lose their hair to chemotherapy. So if your business or your idea or what you want to do is a means to solve a problem, then it's kind of like having an itch. Like when you have an itch, you scratch it so kids not feeling good about themselves after losing their hair was my itch headbands of hope which provides headbands to give those kids confidence was my scratch that was my solution and so it really wasn't about embarrassment of failure it was about this itch not being scratched and I like just couldn't sit with that that these kids wouldn't get headbands and so I got up I got this $300 grant that my school was giving away to students who were starting businesses. Mind you, I lost $10,000, but $300 was a starting point. And I bought two different types of headbands from some supplier in Bismarck, North Dakota, who felt bad for me and let me buy like really low minimums. And um, put those two headbands up on my website um, April 25th, 2012. And now we have 250 products on the site. And I've donated headbands to every children's hospital in America in 15 countries now. And, um, so it was not fire out of the gate. I messed up a lot, but if you believe in what you're doing, you will figure it out.
0: (laughs) And, and I just finished Marie Forleo's book. Uh, everything is figure out. Yes. Yes. So good. It made me think of you because I'm like, it just, that taking that kind of a hit, there are so many people that would just give up. They would just go, you know what, this is the universe telling me that it's not meant to be. And I think that there's this belief starting more and more about, you know, people, people putting a lot of faith in the universe. Like we we talk about this a lot and I talk about this a lot sometimes too. And I Mm -hmm. I think about it sometimes, but sometimes we also need to separate that from, from our actual why and our purpose. and and realize that there's a difference between the two and the universe might also just be testing you (laughs) and you need to actually work
1: through it to figure out the problem, right? Yeah, I heard someone say the other day, um, a flat tire is not an omen. Like, it's just a flat tire. Oh, it's so
0: good.
1: (laughs) Sometimes like we can try to connect the dots to who we are, you know, and sometimes it's just a part of the process. And I became like really interested in this idea of like grit and resilience. And um, so I started doing these interviews and I interviewed probably over a hundred different entrepreneurs or Olympic athletes, like musicians, just about their A to B. Like how did they start and where are they at now? What happened in the middle? And all of them had A $10,000 story like mine, some with a lot more zeros than me. And so I started to think, well, okay, if this part is normal, you know, if this, these hiccups and the speed bumps are just a part of it, then what is the difference between people who take it as like a sign of their worth and throw in the towel when times get hard? And then the ones that don't, the ones who keep going. And I discovered that the difference between people who throw in the towel and the ones that don't really doesn't have anything to do with their, their like expertise or or their schooling or anything like that. It is their rooted belief in what could be. It is like the answer to the question of like what would happen if it all worked out. It is this like optimism, this like vision of better. And if they really believe in that end result, if they believe that this like A to B is also making a difference and a change, and is more than just like a win or a transaction, then there's not gonna be anything that's too big to get in their way. But it really starts with that belief in better.
0: And, and we have to really get clear on, on our why. I mean, even when I'm, when I'm doing something as, I mean, it seems so, so simple in comparison because you're just having such, such an incredible impact. But when I'm, when I'm coaching people to start their own podcast, I, one of the very first things that I talked to them about is I'm like, you have to get clear on your why because Mm -hmm. things are going to get hard and you're not going to want to do it some days. And it's going to feel like a tedious task at times. And you, if you really want to do this, you have to get clear on the reason why you are showing up. What is it that you, what, what small difference do you want to make in the world with something like your podcast, your message? Who do you Mm -hmm. want to touch? You have to get clear on that because that is what is going to get you through on the tough days. And your story in particular seems like such a beautiful example of that and how you kept focusing on the problem that you wanted to fix and the, yeah. the itch that you wanted to scratch, like you were saying.
1: Yeah. I think like a common, like a misconception I had in the beginning was I thought that the people were, who were successful were the ones with the clear path. Mm. and. I thought that those were the people who figured it out because they avoided, you know, anything, any bumps, any hiccups. But now I know that the people who don't have the mistakes are the ones that aren't reaching far enough. Like that's, that's not like, having a clear path doesn't mean that you're successful. It means that you're safe. And how many people do we like read about in history books that made changes when they were safe? And so now I have this different idea around success and around failure is that like success is not the absence of resistance. It's just a navigation of it. It's really inevitable when there's gonna be hiccups or speed bumps, especially when you're navigating new territory or you're, you're doing something that maybe hasn't been done before. And it's just a normalized part of it. And I think that like what you're doing with your podcast, which is why I fell in love with it so much, is that you are opening that dialogue and that that's the most powerful thing we can do is transparency because we are able to see ourselves in other people. If we're able to see that like, yes, she had a rough patch. I had a rough patch. Like maybe it's not just me. Then we're not going to equate like our wounds to our worth. And so I think like what you're doing with your podcast and the way that you're so transparent is like such a big part of that.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you. Well, and and this is, this is just all part of it too, is, is really making sure that people recognize that things don't just get handed to anyone on a silver platter and, Mm -hmm. and you have to, you're, you're going to hit bumps in the road. It's inevitable. And it's more about what you do when those come up. And that's where you really learn to build self-trust in yourself too, that then, yeah, you know what? I figured out this other really big thing So when the next big thing comes along, no matter what it is, I already got through this other thing. So Mm -hmm. I'll be able to work through it and make it happen. Whatever life is going to toss at me.
1: Yeah. When given the chance, you will really surprise yourself. And I've learned that a few times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the other thing that I want to quickly circle back to is when you're kind of talking about how women feel like we don't have a seat at the table and Mm -hmm. It's so funny you're saying this because in my, I live in my notes app and just last night I was in my notes app and I started to write a post that I'll end up putting up at some point about building our own table to give our seat, ourselves a seat at it because there are too many of us that are waiting for the table to appear and Mm -hmm. we're not actually doing anything to move closer towards it. We're hoping that it's just going to happen, but we have to build our own table and I I really think that you are are such an example of you saw this problem and you created a solution to it. And this is what is at its root of things like entrepreneurship. And I think that just, you know, people will see me on a beach in Bali and they're like, Oh, that's what entrepreneurship is these days. Like these kids, these days, like just kids these days. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, there's a lot more to it than that. And when I see people doing things like what you're doing, It's, it's just such a powerful reminder that there is so much more involved with this.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that like sometimes I think it was Mindy Kaling that said, um, sometimes if the path isn't there, then we have to create it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, I saw that with, I was starting to speak a lot at events and, um, which I, I loved, I realized that speaking was this whole other passion that I didn't realize that I had. And one of the things that I had noticed was I was the token woman in a lineup. Like it'd be like, here's, you know, our business like lineup for the day. And it would be me in a room full of men. And even sometimes I would ask different events like, oh, how did you find me? Why'd you bring me in? And a lot of them, especially like business or tech conferences or things like that, said that they needed a woman. And I, on one hand, I was like, Thank you for your transparency. But on the other hand, I'm like, I know so many amazing women out there that have incredible stories that would make amazing speakers, but they don't feel like they have a seat at the table. They don't feel like they're qualified to put their name in the hat as a speaker or get paid to do it. So I started Mic Drop Workshop and it's an online course and community to get more women on stages speaking and not just speaking, but getting paid to do it. Because that was another thing I saw was a lot of women were volunteering their time and their stories, thinking that, you know, let me just use this story to to help others. And a lot of men were getting paid to, to do the same thing that the women were doing. But I think another part of it is like this realization that we don't have to choose between making a living and making a difference. We should be able to do both at once. And sometimes we get in our head that if we feel like we're doing something of meaning and of purpose, then we get, can't get paid to do it. But I feel like that is wrong. And you know, we shouldn't have to have this tug of war in our minds between like passion and paycheck. You know, why is it wrong to do something that's meaningful, but also support a lifestyle that you want to live?
0: I'm really happy you're bringing this up for for multiple reasons. One, I definitely wanted to talk to to you about the mic drop workshop because I'm very interested in doing this myself. I I definitely will be doing this myself um, to work closer with you on that because I also want to do more speaking. And I've heard so many women talk about this, that they're, you know, the only woman who is speaking at an event. And that's why some women are actually just creating their own events to essentially, you know, build their own table because They're going to these events and it's only men speaking. And men have all kinds of amazing lessons to share and incredible stories to share. And so do women. It shouldn't be just a one or the other thing. There should be a a little bit more of an equal balance here when it comes to things like those types of events. And I think it's really powerful what, what you are creating. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more actually too about this like profiting and being able to do your passion, because yeah. especially when, when we look at, at uh, your type of business, for example, I think that most people would be like, how can she possibly be making money when she's giving so much away? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I'd love to hear more about that because that's, you're creating such a massive impact and you're also profiting from it. And I think that people don't equate those as being possible to go together.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up. It's like, I think, you know, when we were growing up, our, our choice was like, are you going to do something meaningful and never get paid? Or are you going to like work for the man and do a nine to five, but be able to get a salary? And it was like almost, okay, what do you want? Like, like, you know, meaning and selflessness or like you know, retire your life over and your freedom, but you get a paycheck and benefits. But then I really think it was like the start of Tom Shoes. And also, I think that in 2008, you know, when the economy dipped, it was like, I just think people started rethinking what the American dream is to them. You know, like started to rethink maybe it isn't about the white picket fence and all of that. Maybe it is about doing something that's meaningful. But why does that have to be a selfless act when, in fact, if you can get paid to do something meaningful, then you're more willing to put time and energy behind it than if you weren't. And so I remember it was like the founder of Tom's, Blake, spoke at my school before I started Headbands of Hope. And he talked about how he coined this one-for-one model of like business of good. They're a for-profit company, but with like social value at their core. And that you shouldn't have to make that choice. And I just, when it came time, you know, when I saw this need for headbands, I thought that this was the right lane to do it in. Like, why make a choice? Headbands of Hope is a for profit company, but our business model gives back. And I actually think that, like, one of my theories that I have, um, which I don't have a lot of theories, but this is one of them, is that like sole entrepreneurship isn't going to be a thing anymore. I think it's the entrepreneurship. I think that like businesses have a responsibility to do more. And like, that's where we as consumers are heading. Like we care more about just the transaction or the best value or whatever it might be. It's like, who's making it? Where is it coming from? What happens after I purchase? So we as consumers are going to push out any of those things aren't like abiding by those rules and support the ones that are. And so I think that business is just changing where it's not this like choice between making a living and making a difference. It's like, it's not going to be like a trend to give back as a business. It's just going to be an expectation of all businesses. So I think that like, it was this old way of doing business was thinking it's like, are you business or are you charity? When now that's changing and you can do a hybrid of both. And I think that's the best lane to be in.
0: And I just think it's, it's really powerful that you had that example given to you, um, like about Tom's shoes, especially because he spoke at your school and stuff too, because sometimes we need an example of what's possible to be able to see it for ourselves. Like that's why things mm-hmm. like, like diversity and stuff are so important as well, because. You know, for example, women of color in business, if, if women of color aren't seeing other women of color in entrepreneurship, you know, starting their own businesses and stuff like that, it could be harder potentially for them to see themselves in that position as well. And that can be applied sort of across the board. So sometimes we have to see even just one little example of what could be possible. And then it plants that seed that, Hey, there might be a different way of doing things. I just haven't realized or thought about before. And that's a yeah. really powerful shift.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I apologize. My dog just barked. Perks of living in an Airstream and trying to do a podcast.
0: Well, and I love the, because we also want to talk about the Airstream. And also we're very dog friendly podcast. Yeah. So I have no problem with that whatsoever. Okay, good. <laughs> I was like, oh,
1: come on. I heard like a dog barking. I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about the Airstream. We're going sh- to shift gears here because you are a... Yeah multi-entrepreneur. And, uh, one of, one of the things that you, you show up about and talk about a lot is the Airstream. So tell us more about the Airstream. Yeah.
1: Um, we kind of blew my cover with the dog, but, um, (laughs) so I funny, funny enough, my parents, um, about five years ago, they're also entrepreneurs and they sold their company and sold their house and sold everything they owned and they moved into an RV that they lived in for five years, and they just became park rangers, which I think is hysterical. (laughs) Um, But seeing their life, I was like, would come out and visit them sometimes, and all these national parks, and um, I just thought it was the coolest thing to be able to travel, still have the familiarity of like your own home and your bed, wherever you went, because I travel a lot for speaking and for Headbands of Hope, and it's exhausting because I feel like I'm always like another plane, another rental car, a different hotel. And you just don't get sense of home. But when we're living in this Airstream now, my husband and I just decided to go for it and we can go all these different places, but still have like that one home. And um, it was funny whenever we got this idea um, on a whim, I just reached out to Airstream and then, we got a conversation going and now we're ambassadors for airstream and it's like being a part of like their tribe and like writing blogs for them and their brand has just been this other like i don't know just this really cool part that has come along with just like saying yes and figuring it out
0: that is so cool and i love watching your adventures and i mean one thing that i really want to kind of highlight from from that is also the power of taking the initiative to reach out to other brands or collaborations or, you know, just reach out and tell somebody that we're doing, that they're doing a great job and yeah. Yeah, see the connection that can come from that. That's how you and I connected. You reached out you to me. me. You yes. yeah. <laughs> and Oh my you gosh. Like, literally I like, doing. And like, I was like, exactly. oh my God, I'm so honored. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I think that again, unpopular belief that I'm about to say, but. I don't think business and like growth is as much about strategy, like as it is about throwing darts. I think that sometimes it's like the more people that, that you can just connect with and talk to you, reach out to you, rather than just like, let me spend my time planning a very specific approach that I think makes the most sense. Sometimes it is just about throwing darts and seeing what sticks. And I, I like, accredit what's happened with Airstream and with Headbands of Hope and like the book, not to this like very well thought out plan, but just like casting a net and seeing what catches. Um, And sometimes we just need to do that and get ready to be rejected and just know that's okay.
0: And and I I constantly am coming back to the fact that I think connection is by far, like connection and, and building relationships is by far the most powerful thing that we can do not only in life, but, but in business too, because those connections are going to serve you in ways that you may not even realize until five, five years down the road that somebody you connected with. And like, you know, you reached out, you gave a compliment, a genuine one, you know, you, you really felt strongly that, uh, somebody was doing something cool and and you told them that that's Mm going to stick with people. People remember those types of things. And just a handful of words to somebody can change their entire day and can end up changing both of your lives too. Yeah. And we don't even realize that. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. No, I, I, and I think that that's, what's so cool about podcasting for you is you get to build these connections, like through your work, which is awesome.
0: And so do you, because you're doing all kinds of speaking and then this incredible book that is coming out, you are connecting people everywhere and just having such an incredible impact. It's so beautiful to see that when I think of impact, you're one of the first people that, that has started coming to mind because I'm just seeing you. Oh make- my gosh, that's, that's big. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. It's amazing though, because you're making, you're making massive impact in so many different ways and, and in in different people's lives across like such a wide diverse range. It's really really amazing to see. And I want to hear more about your book because you a pre-launch is available. We're going to go into all the details on on all that. Um but you also talk a lot about kind of like training the voice in in our head to be our own biggest cheerleader as opposed to working against us and chasing optimism essentially. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about this because I'm really excited for people to to get a hand, get their hands on a copy of the book and really dive into it.
1: Yeah. So I decided to write Chasing the Bright Side because I was really exhausted over the same success narrative that I would hear all the time that we talked about on this podcast of like, the overnight success and, you know, just having everything figured out and the perfect plan just worked out. And now I'm on Oprah's favorite things list and all these things. I'm like, man, that was not my story. But what my story was, was optimism and just this belief in better. And maybe I could be the one to do it. And that's really the seed that we need in order to do something great is just that belief in better and the one to do it and so i decided to write chasing the bright side um to really really how we can train ourselves to be optimistic but i think like one thing to be clear about is that like optimism is not a positivity pledge like chasing the bright side isn't the book that's gonna like tell you to just like add sprinkles and you know put like i don't know just just be happy all the time i think that we need optimism most sometimes when things are bad and sometimes when things are uncomfortable or where there's areas of need. Um, And so I want chasing the bright side to like be able to help people be able to see the good and be able to work towards that, even when it might be tough.
0: And it's, it's an incredible book. It's really beautifully written. And you, you just pack so many personal stories into it that, are such great examples of what you're trying to, to display. And I've had this conversation, uh, I've had it on this podcast before. I've had it again, even more recently with friends too, about this, this idea of you know, good vibes only and that mm-hmm. that just isn't real life. And no. we, yeah, and we can take positivity to almost like these like, like sort of toxic positivity because we're just pushing positivity sometimes, I feel like all the time and not acknowledging the fact that bad things happen. And yeah. sometimes you have to just figure it out. And looking on the positive side isn't the same as pushing positivity. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it, there's a difference between the two.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll like, be honest. One of the stories I share, it's taken me 10 years to find what that good is. And like, it wasn't one of those things where I jumped out of bed the next day and I was like, let's chase the brides and seize the day it was like very much it took time for like that silver lining to develop, but it doesn't mean that it's not there but actually I'm glad that we're talking because one of the things that I was thinking about too like i'm I feel a little uh, now the book is coming out, and i there's a story that I put in it which um maybe you've read already that I haven't really shared and it's one about my family that um people have no idea about it's not like about you know advance of hope and all these things that people might be able to see it's something that is like really vulnerable um to share and i know that you have shared stories like that on your podcast and it really inspired me actually because you being so vulnerable sharing your stories about your past relationship like And how much that helped me made me think like maybe this story that I feel like almost too scared to share could have that same effect on someone else. But like, how do you deal with the sharing, like that feeling of exposed, but knowing that it's going to help? Does that make sense?
0: Oh, it totally does. And first of all, thank you. Like you're bringing tears to my eyes. It's very kind of you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh And I think that for me, the biggest thing is looking ahead and, and hoping that it's going to have a really positive impact on somebody's life and give them hope in a really dark place. And that if, that if I can do that for even one person and they can look at my story and think, okay, she survived this, she made it through to the other side and she even actually managed to, to make some really positive things happen because of it and find that silver lining, then I think I can maybe do that in my life too. And yeah. if I can even do that for one person, then I feel like I've done my job and that that, was, that, that, that that was worth it. It's not to say that you want to take vulnerability to levels where you're sharing things that um, make you so uncomfortable. I tend to talk about how there's a difference to me between being uncomfortable about sharing something and feeling discomfort about it. And mm-hmm. I kind of knew innately, I felt that I really needed to share that story that I was being pulled to do so that that was kind of like part of my, my bigger purpose. And it doesn't mean that I didn't feel like I wanted to vomit when I when I came yeah. up with the episode, <laughs> kind of wanted to throw up about it. I was having like a little bit of panic around it, but I didn't feel uncomfortable about it because I still felt so pulled to share it. So I don't know if that makes sense and like if that kind of lines up with how you felt about sharing your story as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm in this like limbo period. It's like whenever you recorded your podcast, but maybe it hadn't been released yet. Yes. Where you're like, you know that it's there and you know that it's about to happen. And so you're making up all these made up scenarios in your head of like, what could happen but at the end of the day you just need and do it and I think that like um I do believe that this story that I share in chapter two of this book is like I wouldn't have put it in there if I didn't feel so strongly enough that it could help people and I have to just like keep that front and center of like yes it's a little um crazy to think that like this is finally going to be like, not this skeleton in my closet that I've had for 10 years, but like something that, um, if someone could read it and say like, Oh, like maybe the thing that I went through is just a part of my story as well. You know? And I think that that's like with chasing the bright side, it's funny because sometimes we speak on or write about, or talk about things that we're not so far behind. Like we're not so advanced to where everything I talk about with like optimism and um, like seeing these parts that are hiccups as maybe just a part of our story. Like, I'm sharing it as I'm also discovering it. And so, I'm not like, I, I hope that that comes across in the book, is it's not this like lecture of like how to be optimistic, but it's like more of a journey of personal experience and what I've learned and what I'm still learning. Um, kind of like we're just all in this together.
0: Yeah, and oh, I, I very much feel you on that because same thing when I came out about my relationship that it, it's it's still only been basically like ten ten months since it all happened. Like at yeah. time of this recording, and I it, it's I'm still very much in it. But I think that people also really appreciate when you're very open about that. Like, hey, I don't have this all figured out because no one ever has anything completely figured out <laughs> <There's always Yeah. laughs> more things to learn. There's always more things that are going to come of it. So I think that that kind of transparency is actually just one more part that is really powerful that, that you're letting people in on that little, that little piece of, of what you have dealt with and how you continue to deal with it. And that to me, that, that gives people hope. It, it certainly gives me hope when I see that in somebody else's story, so I hope that, that other people perceive that the same way.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And you're, I can feel like my shoulders like dropping as you're talking to me. I'm like, okay, this is going to be okay.
0: It's all uh, good. <laughs> well, I mean, even just coming out with a, a, like a book into the world in general, that is a huge deal. And putting that out there for criticism and judgment and like putting yourself on, on you know, one more whole level of... Yeah opening yourself up, it, that in and of itself is vulnerable, even if you didn't share super vulnerable things in the book. So that takes it to a different level. Yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. And I think sometimes I, I say to myself, you know, like, like, just why did you do this to yourself? <laughs> like, why? Like when I'm having a bad day, like, or, you know, I'm like doing something where I'm just like, why did you pick this life? And I rem- I remind myself, like, things are not always easy but they should always be worth it. And so it's like, is this book and the vulnerability that comes with leaping worth it? Hopefully, yes. Like, is this company Headbands of Hope and all the things that come along with building a business easy? No, but is it worth it? Absolutely. So sometimes we have to like get out of our mind that when, you know, like thinking that there's going to be some level that we reach where things get easier, that's not going
0: to happen, but they should always be worth it. That's such an incredible reminder. I'm going to be circling back to that to remind myself of that on a regular basis. I love that reminder. It's amazing.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Is it worth it? It's just like such a simple question that like puts so much in perspective.
0: That was so good. Oh my gosh. Well, tell us, I want everyone to be able to get their hands on a copy of the book and you also have, like a special deal happening for people who pre-order as well. Tell yes. us all of the things about the book.
1: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So um, you can go to chasingthebrightside.com to pre-order the book. It comes out November 5th. However, if you pre-order, we're doing a special incentive and you can fill out the form on the website and we will send you a free headband from Headbands of Hope. And it is a special limited edition Chasing Brightside Side headband. So it's really cool. Like the cover of the book has this really cool like paint on it and um, the headband is that paint. And so we will send that to you. So you can head to ChasingTheBrightSide.com, pre-order from any of those retailers, fill out the form there with your address and we will ship you your
0: headband. And mine is also on my way to me with the book. I'm so excited to, to rock it.
1: <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. Yeah. yeah. And then as it comes out, if you read it, any reviews are just so helpful, whether that's on Amazon or Goodreads, um, and anyone that you know who's writing a book, like reviews are so helpful. Um, pre-ordering is helpful. I had no idea that people purchase books before they come out, but now that I'm an author, I realize how important that is because it determines which retailers pick up your book. It determines um, like all the, the books that are purchased in the pre-order phase before the book comes out actually count towards first week of sales all at once. So that is, um, determines any lists that you make in that first week. And there's so much um, that goes behind it that I had no idea about. So beyond chasing the bright side, if you have any friends that are authors, review their book and buy it before it comes out.
0: Yes. Whatever we can do to support people who are doing really big things and doing you know, we see these amazing things. And, and if, if people ever ask, you know, what's one way that I could like help you out, things like reviews and pre-orders, especially pre-orders for a book are so important. So everyone who wants to support Jess, please go do this. And we all want to support Jess because she's doing amazing things. So <laughs>
1: thank you, Emily. I appreciate that. And I'm sure podcasts <laughs> are in the same vein of reviews and just sharing, you know,
0: totally, totally. Okay. So where else can we find you and to see all of your cool Airstream adventures and all of, all of the places to connect with you and potentially book you for speaking engagements too, because you do yep. this. You do the all the things. Oh my gosh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, like the main landing page you can go to is my website, jessextrom.com. And my last name is E-K-S-T-R-O-M. And then you can find me on Instagram. I love posting photos of my dog, which made an appearance during this podcast <laughs> um, and our, all of our Airstream adventures and behind the scenes. Um, and with Mike Drop, you can go to micdropworkshop.com
0: so good. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have one final question to wrap up with is if you could offer one piece of advice, offer people one piece of advice on to growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be?
1: I would say just to remember that failure will always feel better than regret. Oh yes. That is it. Like so many times we go, come to these forks in the road where we like, do we go for it? Do we not? And just the single phrase that I think about is like, failure will always feel better than regret. Like nothing is more haunting than I wish I had. So even if it doesn't work out as planned, at least you have a story to tell.
0: That's so good. And, and I mean, even uh, I, her name is escaping me, but the the woman who wrote the book about people's, um, people who were on their deathbeds, that they the biggest thing that she often heard was, you know, like, I wish I had and like those types of type of things. So yes, that is such an important reminder that we don't want to reach a point where we're looking back going, you know, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done things differently, like go for the thing. And then even if you fall on your face, you can pick yourself up and you can try the next thing instead. And hopefully it was funny. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. Something
1: funny in there. Usually we can pull something <laughs> funny. Out. Exactly. Yeah. Usually there is. <laughs>
0: well, Jess, I am so grateful that you reached out to me. I am so happy that we've connected. We're even hoping to meet up in person in December and I'm super pumped yeah. about it. Oh my gosh. I, I love can't that. Wait. We'd
1: love to have you at the Airstream. Come yes. say hi. Huh?
0: I can snuggle with your dog. It's going to be amazing. Oh, please. That would
1: be great. Yeah. Thank you so much for your vulnerability and your transparency and everything that you do on this podcast and just for having me on it.
0: Oh, uh, well, I'm so excited for the world to get their hands on your book too, because it's going to be life changing. So everything you do just has a really just this powerful impact in the world. And I'm so excited to see it uh, continue. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Yes.